up, Midtown? What's up, what's up? Hey, grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 6 if you would. I'm just going to give you a, give you a second because I'm a little excited. I'm excited to be here. Uh, this is my home away from home. I feel at home here. Some of you are my dear brothers and sisters. I'm thankful for the pastors of this church and what they've mean to me. And I was telling Kenny this morning back here in his office, there's a story. One we can't get into today, but there's a story of me being able to stand up here and be a part of this. And so I would not know you had it not been for Pastor Kenny. That's just the reality. I would not know what's going on here. And I look around the room and I, and I, I watch faithfully from a distance and, and I pay attention to what God is doing through you guys. And I just want to take you to a passage of Scripture that I just want to challenge you with and really encourage you. And uh, so I pray that we bleed and that we're healed by the end of it. All right? That, that's kind of my prayer. All right, so Luke chapter 6, is everybody there? Say amen. amen. All right, so Luke chapter 6, uh, specifically, let's start in verse 46. So Luke 6, verse 46, it says, And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? I mean, Tony, if you're going to take us to a passage of Scripture, why not just give us an uppercut right off the front? Right? This is like a jab in the nose. Why, if you're going to call me Lord, Lord, why do you not do the things that I say? All right, so verse 47, he says, Whoso cometh to me and heareth my sayings, and do with them, I will show you to whom he is like. And so this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. One we, we know very well, especially if you've grown up in the church, because there's a song that we sing in Kidtown, right? There's a song that we sing in, in, in our homes with our kids that, 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 that relate to this passage. But I want you to see in verse 48, he says, He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. We love that song, don't we? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the house and the rock stood firm. The rains came down and the floods came up. Right, we know the song. We're very familiar with the song, but look at verse, verse 49. It says, But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now I'm going to let you in on something. For years I read that passage as an illustration of a lost man and a saved man. And that is not at all what Jesus is teaching. He's talking to disciples. He's talking to people who say they are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, we'll lay that foundation here in just a few seconds. But what I want you to see off the jump is he's comparing two different types of disciples. Both of them have the exact same desire. They both want to build a house. They both want to make it look like it's right. They both have the same desire. And guess what? The rains came down, the floods came on both of them, so they have the same exact struggles. The problem is they have different perspectives, and in the end, they have two different realities, especially at the judgment seat of Christ, because I think that's what we're looking at here in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. Now, I want you to see this in verse 47, because I think this is the key verse for the entire chapter of, of, verse, of chapter 6. But in verse 47, he says, Whoso ever cometh to me and heareth my sayings, and what? Do with them. I think you just figured out the outline of the message. Come, hear, Do. That's what I want to challenge us with this, this morning. So I want, to, I want to get over to verse 17. Because we're going to take all of these verses, we're going to go through them quickly. So I challenge you to, to write down some notes fast. Right, right, if, does everybody have a handout? It'll help you out if you, if you have a handout. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just 
letting you know. So we're going to be moving rather quickly, um, but we're not going to miss out on what God has for us. So when you get to verse 17, right before this, you have um, Jesus up on the mountain. He's got all his disciples gathered up, and he's taken, he's taken 12 of them, and he's, he's identified them. says, okay, you're going to be my apostles. You're going to be my sent ones. But he gets all these disciples, and they come down the mountain, and you see this in verse 17. And when he came down with them and stood in where? The plain, I think that has to do with the floods, doesn't it? Because what area floods? It's the plain. So understand where he's setting and and what's going on. So he's down in the plain and the company of disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and he healed them all. Now, I made mention at the very beginning of this that he's dealing with disciples, but here in verses 17 to 19, he's dealing with lost people. He's dealing with the multitude. And I just want to throw this out here. Here's your first point is there are many people who will come to Jesus. Jesus. There are many. So in verse 47, he says, you've got to come and you've got to hear and you've got to do. Well, there are thousands, if not millions of people who are willing to come to Jesus. But the motivation is completely different. Because I, I call them the event-centered or the, the change of my life multitude. They want to come to church and they want to sing the songs and man, that was, that was great. Right? It, it was great to sing, sing praise, but some of you missed out because you were singing songs instead of singing to Jesus. You're part of the multitude. I bet in a room this size, there are people who do not know Jesus today. And you've been coming to church, coming to church, coming to church because you want to hear Jesus and you want to be healed by Jesus. Look what he says here at the end of verse 17. Why the multitudes come? They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. They came. Why Why did you come today? Did you come because you just wanted to hear an awesome message? You wanted to hear a life changing message? Man, every message should be life changing. And I think a lot of times churches are filled with people who expect a show. They want to be catered to. They, they come because the, the pastor's going to speak eloquently and they, they want to receive it. And, but there's, they, they have every intention of going home unchanged. They just want to be able to say at the dinner table, man, we went and saw Jesus last night. Or we went and saw Jesus and we did that thing. And it's a story instead of a changed life. And it says at the end of verse 17 that they wanted to be healed by them. And then I bet there's somebody here today that the reason you're here today is because you wanted to hear a good message and you wanted all your problems to go away and you wanted to go home and watch the Chiefs beat the Broncos. That's your whole goal today. That's your whole life. And we'll do it again next week. And we'll do it the week after that. Understand, you are part of the many. You are part of the multitude. Everywhere Jesus is, there are multitudes and there are disciples. Which one are you? And if you're in the multitude, you need to meet Jesus as your Savior today. You need to get saved. He died for you, shed his blood for you, rose again for you, so you can have newness of life. Would you get saved today? We're going to give the opportunity later. So they want to hear Jesus. They want to be healed by Jesus. But I want you to see this. Jesus generally cares for the multitudes. I mean, he heals every single one of them. At the end of verse 19, he healed them all. He genuinely cares for the multitude. But can I just lay this out for you? Do not mistake having a religious experience with being a follower of Jesus Christ. Just because you come and have a spiritual moment doesn't mean you're a follower of Christ. Just because you got the warm and fuzzies. Just because the hair on the back of your head stood up. If you had hair, like Brandon. 
Listen, don't mistake having a religious experience with being a believer. And this is also important. Being where Jesus is does not make you a follower of Jesus. Being where he is does not make you a follower. So he says all these multitudes come. We don't know how many multitudes, but there's a lot of them. Verse 20. He takes his audience and he narrows it down. So he's got all this multitude, and it says, and he lifted up his eyes on his who? Disciples. And so from verse 20 all the way to the end of the chapter, he deals with disciples. He's talking to them. The multitudes are no longer the issue. He dealt with them, gave them what they wanted. But when it came time for the teaching, when it came time to go deeper, he talks to the disciples. He said, I'm going to focus on them. And so that's exactly what he does. And so from verse 20 to, to verse 26, he gives us two different types of disciples. Two different types. You have the contenders and you have the pretenders. There's the illustration. The contenders, when the flood came, their house stands firm. The pretenders, they're washed away, right? So are you a contender or are you a pretender? Now, we don't have a whole lot of time here, so we're going to compare a lot of verses here. Verse 20. He says, blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He's talking to the contenders. Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. In other words, you're not focused on what you lack. You're focused on what you have in Christ. That's a contender. Skip over to verse 24. Verse 24 says, but woe unto you that are rich, for ye, sh- ye have received your consolation. You don't fo- you're not focused on what you have in Christ because you're, you're, you're full from what the world has to offer you. Oh, you're already rich. You're already increased with goods and have need of nothing. Oh, okay. Verse 21 says, blessed are ye that that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. A contender's not hungry for what the world has to cook up because they have an appetite for eternal things. Amen, church? Verse 25. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. That's the pretender. They're not hungry for eternal things because they're full from sitting at the world's table. Verse 21. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Oh, believer, get that. Believer, get that. That's what contenders. Listen, life is hard. Ministry is hard. It is, it is sown in tears. And, and, but I'm telling you what, it is raped in joy, isn't it? Judgment to Christ, all this pain, all the anguish, all the difficulty, all the hard times, all of that is a celebration at the judgment seat of Christ. But can I give you, an in, can I give you a little glimpse of what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ for some of us? End of verse 25, woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. There will be tears. The woulda, coulda, shouldas. Oh, I should have. I spent all my time celebrating. I spent all my time laughing. I spent all my time having a good time instead of sowing seeds with my tears. And at the judgment seat of Christ, we're crying because there's no fruit. Verse 22. I told you I was excited. Verse 22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Oh, wow. What do contenders do? Well, they celebrate when the world rejects them. They counted all joy that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. But skip over here to verse 26. Woe unto you when all, when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. All right, they celebrate when the world accepts them. So which is it? Are you a contender or are you a pretender? Are you seeking the world's favor or are you seeking fruit amongst the world? 
a contender or a pretender. Now he takes it a step further. Verse 27, I say unto you which, what's the next word? Here. So you had many who came to Jesus. And then when you get to verse 27, you find out that there are some who actually want to hear what he has to say. Oh, they came to hear Jesus way back in verse 17. But they just wanted to hear a message. They, they weren't wanting to pick up what he's putting down. They just wanted to say that they went and heard a good talk. They wanted to go and hear a good little speech. But there are some, there are some that actually care what he has to say. Is that you? Is that you? There are some who want to hear Jesus. He narrows down his audience again. So he's dealing with the multitudes. He turns and deals with the disciples. At the disciples, he says, you got contenders and pretenders. And I just, I feel like he just shifts his attention to the contenders and says, can we have a chat? Those that hear, everybody knew in the crowd who was hearing and who wasn't. And so he speaks to those that hear. He says, but I say unto you, verse 27, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. The implication is if you're going to hear, there's got to be action behind it. Right? The, the message title is come, hear, do. And so here's, here's your next point. There are some who want to hear Jesus, what, what he has to say, no doubt about it. But hearing what Jesus says should change the way that you see people. Hearing what Jesus says, hearing what his word, it should change the way that you see people. There's no getting around that. Now, these believers, these are the, these are the ones who I, I call the radio or the podcast, podcast Christians. They want to hear messages all day long, all the time. Just listen to the Word of God, listen to the Word of God, listen to the Word of God. Nothing wrong with that. I'm guilty. I do the same thing. But what good is it to feast on all that and do nothing with it? What good is it to hear all this Bible, hear all this teaching, and it not impact people? Well, Tony, I'm, I'm not a people person. You just don't understand. Listen, I'm not talking about introverts. I'm married to an introvert. Praise the Lord that I'm married to an introvert because I can't imagine both of us being me like me. But I tell you what, I'm married to an introvert who loves people because she sits at the feet of Jesus. And I love that about my bride. I love that about my wife. He says, love your enemies. That is an action. It's not an emotion. He says, to love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. In other words, pay back those who mistreat you with what they need. The reason they're mistreating you is because they don't know love. The reason they're mistreating you is because they don't know what blessing looks like. Verse 29. Unto him that smiteth thee on the, on the one cheek offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy cloak also, coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Well, Tony, you're, you're saying, like, smack me on the cheek. Yeah, thank you, sir, may I have another. Listen, here's the point. Here's the point he's, he's making. People can't take from you what you've given them. That's the point. That's the point. Verse 31. And as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. In other words, treat people the way that you should be treated, not the way that they deserve to be treated. Verse 32. Verse 32. He says, for if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. 
Oh, he just said a lot there, didn't he? He goes, oh, you're going to love in order to get something back. You're going to give in order to get something back. Listen, sinners do the exact same thing. Believer, can I just tell you something? Love is not reciprocal. You got to be willing to love even though you may not get love back. And I don't think it's a secret this world's hard to love. Truth? Especially today. But I just don't like people. I don't like my coworker. Then I would suggest to you that you may not like to hear what God's word has to say. Because if you spent time with Jesus, you would understand that they need him. Hearing what Jesus says should impact the way that you see people. And in verses 35 to, to 38 here, hearing what Jesus says should change the way that people see Jesus in you. So not only should it impact the way that you see people, but it should also impact the way that people see Jesus, and it should say, in you. Verse 35. He says, but love ye your enemies. Oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? Who's your enemy? Anybody who's an enemy of Christ? Love ye your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. Your reward should be great, and you should be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Wow, he's, he, he's saying all kinds of things. In other words, be loving. Why? Because that's how people see Jesus' love. Be merciful. Why? Because that's how they see the, the mercy of God. They see it in you. Can I let you in on a secret? The lost world aren't reading their Bibles. They're not. You are their Bible. Everything they know of Jesus is what you claim to be. And so if you're spitting the gospel and they don't see love and they don't see mercy, they ain't seeing Jesus. That's for sure. Let's take look at here, verse 37. Let's sum that up here in verse 37. It says, judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Oh, we love to quote the first part of that verse, right? How many lost people you heard said, judge not, you shall not be judged. Oh, they know that part. They can quote that one. But he's talking to believers. He's talking to disciples. Listen, your job with the lost world is to not prove yourself right or left. That's not your job. Your job is not to judge because the righteous judge will judge one day. Your job is not to condemn. They are condemned already. That's, that's straight truth. You need to make sure that the lost people see Jesus in you, which means that they need to know that you're for them, not against them. Kenny Morgan puts it this way. You don't have to be right. You need to be righteous. Be righteous. So true. Verse 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running, uh, running over shall men give into your bosom, for, for, for with the same measure that ye meet with all shall be measured to you again. And we love quoting this verse when it deals with New Testament giving. The problem is it doesn't apply there. The idea is that disciples are giving to the lost. It's meeting their needs, helping them out, su supplying them. Give. Give to Who? Give to the lost. 
Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. Not your leftovers. Give in abundance. And God says, you are going to be blessed by it. So when you focus on giving to the world, what does the world say? They see God's blessing and they see what it truly looks like. They see what it looks like. All right, look at uh, verse 40. Verse 39. Verse 39. And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? All right. He takes it and he spends it and he says, okay, now let's talk about you. So hearing Jesus should change the way that you see people. Hearing Jesus should change the way that people see Jesus in you. But hearing, hearing Jesus should change the way that you see you. See, every time we open up the Word of God, the Word of God opens us up. Truth? And if you can read the Bible and not see you, you haven't heard Jesus. You haven't heard His words. You went through an action, you, you came to Him, but you weren't ready to hear what He had to say. Verse 39, he spake a parable, can the blind lead the blind, and shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Here's a question you have to ask yourself. Every time you read the Bible, every time the Word of God is reading you, you will always reproduce yourself. So what have you reproduced? What am I reproducing in my life? When I look at the people that are closest to me, when I look at my children, when I look at my spouse, when I, when I look at my disciple, when I, when I look at those I'm involved in ministry, I'm reproducing myself. What am I seeing in them? Because what I see in them is who I am. And so when I hear what the Word of God has to say, it changes the way that I see me. In verse 41, he says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is, also, that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that which is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Let me sum that up this way. Assume that God is speaking to you before you begin to assume that God is speaking to somebody else. That's what he's saying. Because you might be hearing a message like this and go, man, I hope they're listening. I hope they're listening. Hope you're listening. Listen, make sure that you're seeing straight before you try to make somebody else see straight. And can I give you some really good, sound advice? Don't let blind people do surgery on your eyes. And we do it all the time. We seek counsel from people who are going to tell us what we want to hear. And we end up in a ditch. We don't seek counsel from people who are going to tell us the truth. We're guilty of that. We need people who are going to help us to walk by faith. Verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble, bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. And then he qualifies it this way. For the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. 
So if you really want to know where you are spiritually, can I just give you two things just from this little passage? Two little things. Pay attention to what the world expects to receive from you. The world aren't stupid. They're not going to go looking for fig trees among thorns. They're not going to go looking for grapes among the bramble. And so when the world comes to interact from, with you and they begin to talk with you and they, they come seeking something from you, what is it that they're searching for? Because they came searching for a specific thing. It's the fruit that you're bearing. Is it going to change their life? Or is it going to help them to continue in the path that they're on? That's the first question. The second question is, what do you talk about? What do you, come, what, what do you talk about? Some of us need to get on our social media accounts and, and have a come in the Jesus meeting. Snapchat and every other social media account you could possibly think of. And so here's what we did. Uh, we, we took some time to creep on some of y'all's social media accounts. We're going to put it up on the screen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sam's over here like, delete, 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 delete. <laughs> Scared you, didn't I? Verse 46. Verse 46. And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings, and do with them. And do with them. I will show you to whom he is like. There are many that will come to Jesus. There are some who will hear him, but there are very few who will actually do it. There are very few who want to do what Jesus said. And these are the construction worker Christians who don't need credit. They don't need to be seen. They just do it. He says, Lord, Lord, that means submission. That means he's master. That means I'm servant. That means when he speaks, I move. When he says jump, I say, can I come down now? That's what it means. That's lordship. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. We come to him because he is Lord. We, we hear what he says because he is Lord. We do what he says because he is Lord. James chapter 1, verse 25, be ye doers of the word, but not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. And he gives us the illustration, verse 48, of this wise man. These are those who come, hear, and do. That's your next blank. Those who come, hear, and do. They're settled on the authority of the word of God. He says he's likened to a man which built a house and digged deep. And laid the foundation on a rock. You see, by digging deep, guys, this is important. By digging deep, you are forced to identify the things in your life that are not worthy of building a foundation on. 
You are forced to dig through the junk of your life. You are forced to dig through the filth of this world. You are forced to dig through it all to find the rock, the only foundation we're setting your house upon. And when you do that, and you do that, the rains come down and the floods come up, guess what happens? You don't have to stand against the difficult times because you're standing on the rock. And the, because the rock stands, you stand. That's what's happening here. But only for those who come, hear, and do. But if all you're going to do is come and you're going to hear and you're going to walk away not doing anything that he said, you're going to have a house. It's going to look exactly like your next door neighbor. It's going to have the same floor plan, painted the exact same way, decorated the exact same way, but the rains are going to come and the floods are going to come up. And you're going to be tempted to stand against it because you have no foundation. And when the tough times come, you're going to give up and you're going to go with the flow. And you're going to be swept away. And here's the saddest part of it all. Here's the saddest part. There's not going to be any evidence that you were ever standing in the first place. Did you ever have a walk with God? Or are you just a pretender? The real issue is in how you view Jesus. Is he worth coming to? Is he worth hearing? Is he worth obeying? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the house on the rock stood firm. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. Let's stand firm.